Hello, and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin' with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at KillerQueensPodcast, and we're on YouTube at KillerQueens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge, and let's talk about some true crime. Hey, y'all. Hey! Welcome back to Killer Queens. Yay! Yay! Today, we're going to be covering Phil Vasily. Part one. We just had a discussion about the fact that his wife, Donna, called him Billy Vasily. And we don't like that. Do not like it. Yeah, so there's, there is a, I guess, documentary you can watch. It's a two-part, um, Murders, Lies, and Alibis. And for some reason, the part one you have to have a password for. I'm not really sure, but um, part two is, like, just Big Fat Available. Um, but we were able to watch those, and, um, of course, Sloane did the research for us. Thank you, girl. Yay. So we'll, you know, jump into it. Oh, and just in case you want more episodes, you can check out our Patreon where there's like over 80 more bonus episodes. So there's potential for a lot more listening. Oh, yeah. And we just started a new show called Oh Snapped. I'm going to raise the roof about it. Okay. Um, And it's just recapping Snapped episodes starting with season one, episode one. So, And if by some chance you thought maybe you would need a podcast or something to listen to where there's no cussing involved, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. We decided to go a little cleaner on that one. So there you have it. Yes. All right. So now, Bill Vasily. On the morning of March 24th, 2015, a totally unsuspecting gardener showed up to work at the recently completed beach mansion of Philip and Donna Vasily in Old Fort Bay in the Bahamas. This is paradise. It's beautiful. 100%. It's like, I would be fine with a shack on the beach. I'd be okay with the hut on the beach. Yeah, and this is a mansion with a guest house. It's like... And it had a cool name too, didn't it? Yeah. Um, I forget the name of it, but I'm sure it'll be in here somewhere. It was like Boomer Sooner. <laughs> That's not at all what it was. That's <laughs> not even close. It's like, um, it was something. It's like Tommy Tanga. Oh. Remember, it's something like it that. It was something like that, but mm-hmm. that is a it's different not paradise. Yeah, it's not that. that. Yeah. About, yeah. Um, well, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank, but we'll, we'll get it in here. It's Tanya Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be in here. Um, so... Phil and Donna had been staying in the guest house, so they're they're having their mansion completed, so they're staying in the guest house. I can totally relate to that. Like slobs. Yeah. Until the big house is finished. Sure. Yeah. And the gardener, this poor guy, goes to the guest house to begin his day of Gardening. honest day's work, and he finds the door from the patio to the kitchen locked, which he's like, okay, that's fine. It's not totally unusual. He unlocks the door, which has to be locked and unlocked with a key from the outside. Just keep that in mind. And he immediately sees his employer, Phil Vasily, laying in a pool of blood on the floor of the kitchen. And by this point, Phil had been dead for several hours. Now, Old Fort Bay 
had never had a murder before. This was their very first one, which I feel like usually means a less than stellar investigation just because they don't kind of know what they're doing, but we'll see. It's a super rich area, though, with 24 hours security and frequent patrolling by police. Everyone that was in the house, maids, gardeners, everybody working there were taken to the police station and questioned. So I feel like this was like millionaire mile, right? Like, Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, the whole area was just completely surrounded. It, it kind of reminds me of like the Henry Van Breda and um, Oscar Pistorius, where it was just like, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what was going on around it. You were in this bubble of like 24 hour security protection. People can't get in and out without being on video, like all these things. There's, it's, I think it's great for an investigation because you've got, it's not like people can come in and out, you know, it's not like my neighborhood, which is, a cut through to other neighborhoods like anybody could be driving through here we don't know not in old fort bay Mm -mm. Uh -uh. donna vasili which was his wife was also questioned and she was subsequently arrested five days later she was charged with her husband's murder so who was phil vasili you ask philip john vasili was born in twins head australia and grew up in a western suburb of sydney called liverpool Phil grew up poor and on the quote-unquote wrong side of the tracks. His dad described, his dad was described by a friend of Phil's, Lawrence Sidari. He called him a tough bastard. And he was like, if his dad was around, you sat up straight, you acted right, you didn't say anything wrong. Like, all his friends knew it. Everybody was kind of like, I'm not messing with this guy. At a young age, Phil got into martial arts. He worked his way up to a black belt and as the New South Wales karate champ three times. He was a big, strong guy and used this to his advantage when he worked as a bouncer for a while. But Phil had bigger ambitions than being a bouncer. He graduated as a podiatrist and went to business school with his friend Lawrence, and they ended up being like business partners. So then he meets Donna. At that time, she was 20 years old. She was a dental assistant. They ended up getting married and they moved into an apartment, but they had a rur- my goodness, a rough first year of marriage. I combined <laughs> rough and first, so it came out rur- <laughs> <laughs> I You could probably use that word to describe their first year of marriage. It was like kind of rur- <laughs> <laughs> Um, So Phil was in love with Donna, but their marriage was in trouble. They ended up splitting up for a while. Um, it was like a year. Yeah, a year. And he was pretty devastated about it. He wanted to get back together. Um, but during that time, he also found religion and that helped him come back to himself. So they get back together. They end up having two kids, a daughter, Lauren, and a son, Aaron. And Phil was described by everyone as an entrepreneur and just an awesome person to be around. He was super extroverted. He was that like life of the party. And you can see that in all the photos of him. Yeah, people say that in every kind of an episode like this. If it's, you know, Dateline, Snapped, like whatever it is. Phil was legit the life of the party. Like, there's no question. Everywhere he went, it was like yachts and bottles of booze and like It was dancing. like a rap video. It was. Some of it actually was. Because then he, <gasps> he, he, he financed did. a rapper's career or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So... He, um, 
he was an active guy. I mean, he was always doing something. He didn't live the like quiet life of like going to a nine to five, come home, whatever. Like they were always traveling. They were always doing something crazy. Phil's extroverted personality and entrepreneurial spirit helped him in building his empire. Phil didn't just open his practice and sit back and wait for patients to come in. He went out and found them. And he's charismatic, right? So like a doctor like that is going to build a practice pretty quickly. Patients like them. I'm sure he had a great bedside manner. Like people want to have a doctor like that. Then he used his surfboard making skills that he learned as a teenager and made orthotics that could be sold over the counter. So that's when his life and his bank account exploded. I don't know if this is something that every American believes, but I just imagine that everybody who's Australian is a pro surfer. Oh, you I know think, what I mean? I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because when Andrew went to, my husband went to Australia to study for five or six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, he came back a, sur- a pro surfer. Yeah. He surfed like all the time out there. He did like surf classes and like. I can 100% honestly say that I've never touched a surfboard. So Mm-mm. no, not even a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So his business was called Bionic and it just immediately took off and he made millions and millions and millions of dollars. In 1993, Phil moved his family and his business overseas, but in Australia, he was still the king of feet. I mean, I get what they're doing there. It sounds yucky. I hate it. Yeah. I I guess, like, I feel like anybody would want to be, like, a king or a queen or, like, a prince or a princess, but I think if I was, like, the queen of feet, I'd be like, that's, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I'll just. I'll just be me over just here. Just call me Philly Vasily. <laughs> it reminds me of the footman. Oh, yeah, but in a different right Much way. Much different way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I heard that's not on Netflix anymore. Oh. Well, I forget what it was called now. Finders Keepers. Finders Keepers. Yeah, that's a super um interesting documentary. You should watch it. By his 40s, Phil and Donna had homes everywhere. They had expensive cars. They had private jets. He had Lamborghinis. He had probably Ferraris. I don't know. Probably Rolexes. Oh, my God. Probably a different Rolex for every day of the month. Yeah, probably. I would think. Yeah. By their 50s, Phil and Donna were building their dream home. Oh, here it is. In Old Fort Bay in the Bahamas. And the home was called Tumby Yumby. Tumby Yumby. What a fun name. What does it mean? I don't know. It just is a nod to their Australian roots. Somebody, if you know what this means. Yeah. I'm sure we could give it a goog, but I'm I'm in the notes. She's in the computer. I can't get out of that right yeah. now. So. so, yeah. So, if anybody knows, let us know. According to his driver and friend, Warryman Borges, Phil's- I could listen to this man talk all day long. He's great. I He's love great. him. Yeah. Phil's philosophy was to do five minutes of work, and then the other 23 hours and 55 minutes of the day were for play. Something I can get behind. I know. He was, like, the most fun person anybody had ever been around. Like. He was just magnetic, and people, they just wanted to be around him. Like, again, like, you always hear that. And, of course, everybody is everybody is special to somebody in their, you know, in certain ways or whatever. But Phil was legitimately, like, he went out and everybody was like, hey, over here, over here, over here. Hang out with you. Like, just look at me, Phil. Come on. Can we be best friends? Can we be best friends? 
He went on trips and bought anything his heart desired. He even supported an up-and-coming musician named Pedrino. He had a Lamborghini that he loved so much he needed to get a fancier one. Warman said that Phil's favorite band was In Excess. I love, I love that his favorite band is In Excess. I feel like it fits so much. 100%. I really like In Excess as well. I mean, it's great. I I love him. (laughs) Do you like Billie Holiday? I love him. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And he loved McDonald's. So, which is really funny, obviously, (laughs) for obvious reasons. But he said that anytime. Like, he would pick him up from, I don't know, the airport or, like, pick him up for wherever he was going to drive him to. And he was, like, every time Phil would be, like, okay, we need to go to McDonald's. <laughs> like, we're not going to tell anybody about this, but I need two quarter pounders, two fries, and a medium Diet Coke. He was not messing around with these McDonald's. Well, and let's be honest. If you're going to do something bad, do it right. Do it right. That's true. I feel like that is also a nod to the fact that Phil is in excellent shape, which I feel like is going to come into play a little bit later. But I'm now in my 30s, and if I eat even a little bit of McDonald's, I'm down for a day. It Come on, y'all. Me. Commence the jiggling. Yeah. So Phil could handle two fries. Two orders of fries, two quarter, quarter pounders. pounders. That's impressive. That's a half a pounder. And <laughs> fractions. And um, also... Why go with the diet? Is it because of the flavor? Is it the taste? (sighs) Yeah. It can't be for calories. I wouldn't think, although Jack Black did it in... I'm going to go half Coke, half Diet Coke. Because he's watching the figure. So it's possible, although some people do get used to the taste of Diet Coke. I think you can become addicted to it. Oh, yeah. I started having to... Well, I guess after I had diabetes when I was pregnant with Jesse and I couldn't have, you know, sugar or whatever, I got used to the taste of Splenda when I wanted sugar. So then once I was undiabetic after I had him, I was like, I can drink regular stuff now. I don't drink a lot of Coke unless like my stomach's upset because that's just what we did when we were little. But I couldn't take the taste of full Coke anymore. So I do Coke Zero now. Interesting. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Unless it's in a can that I buy myself then i'll do a regular coke but if i get it out i know it's too strong this bitch she's so particular in the weirdest ways like she won't drink chocolate milk unless what it comes like she wouldn't have like a gallon of chocolate milk and pour it into a glass and drink it that way no no, 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 it weirds her out Mm. she also can't drink it if it has bubbles at the top if you shake it yeah yeah i don't know i don't know i'll well, it's, it's fine. Okay. You know. So, um, but, okay. So, Phil is young. He's having fun. <laughs> but Donna is not having as much fun. I mean, no. she's definitely, like, enjoying the lifestyle, but their marriage is not going well again. I think it went well for a while, and then that sort of just, like... I could kind of understand. I mean, of course, I don't know the inner workings of their relationship. However... It would be difficult to be married to a man that's kind of like larger than life like that. And then you kind of have to take a a backseat to everything because he's got all of these friends that he has to spend time with. He's like partying like a rock star. Yeah. And I don't I don't think that it's like, oh, Phil just has a lot of money and he just likes to hang out with his dudes. 
There's women like, involved. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, yeah. If you go to certain places, like we just finished up Tiger King in like in Las Vegas, right? And I'm not comparing Phil Vasily to anybody on Tiger King, but it became evident to me that a lot of times if you have wealth, um really attractive women tend to follow. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, exactly. So he definitely and he was flirtatious with other women. He But he had that bubbly kind of care, you know, cuz some people are just natural born flirts. Like they cannot it's yeah. not that they can't help themselves, but you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like who they are. Yeah, well, and there's there's some people that just the way they interact with people, another person may perceive it as flirty. Now, again, Phil went further than that, and we're not going to make any, you know. Right. It certainly doesn't mean he should have died, but he did commit lots of infidelities against Donna. Um, and they they fought about stuff very publicly. They would, because she, she would go out with them a lot. She, you know, could drink with the best of them, and she partied with everybody and stuff like that, and then they would get into these superheated arguments, and people would... Everybody was around. Like, everybody saw it. Well, and I use the term crazy. I think you'll understand what I mean. Their crazy showed a lot when they would fight. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, just get written a, renting a skywriter to write, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Broadcasting this stuff. Exactly. Like, Donna was really, really into airing their dirty laundry for everyone to see. Like one time she called a business partner's a business partner of Phil's and she left him a message. Now she is a world class message leaver. She's very, very experienced. There's a lot of people that are like, I didn't reach him, I'll call him back. No, she's gonna leave a message. And, and use up every minute of the time that oh she's Oh my doing. gosh. Yeah. She left him a message saying that Phil was an alcoholic and drug addict who'd been to rehab three times and also told this person that Phil was raped when he was sixteen. I don't know if that was true or not, but what does that have to do with anything, first of all? Yeah, and as a wife, like, if that was true, that's probably very, obviously, very personal, very private, very hurtful, like, not something he wants people to just know, and she's just like, Donna's very, very big on taking, like, a little nugget of something that you would have given her in confidence and then using it against you later to just to get back at you. And I guess that just is the difference in people. I I just don't find because I've, you know, I've gotten in some disagreements with like friends of mine or whatever. But if you tell me something in confidence that I know would you would not want anybody else to know, that's off limits. Even if you're super, super mad at someone or you have the right to be super mad at someone like. Yeah. It's just, it's very immature. Her her style of fighting was very immature. Yeah. It's just vindictive. And it, that doesn't, all it does is it make it makes you look worse. Because looking at this case now as a whole, looking back on everything, Phil honestly got to the point where he openly had affairs. And, His dividend was busted. Yeah, and still... Donna looks so much worse throughout the marriage because of just how hateful she was and how she would flip stuff on him like that. It's just, it's not a good look, Donna. No. Um, Padrino said that there was a particular fight where Donna yelled that she would take Phil for everything. So, 
obviously the money is going to come up because they've got more money than God. Yeah. Um, but she, she does make different types of threats. Um, Carrie Howells was a very good friend of Donna and Phil's, and he was described Phil as like a mentor, and Phil referred to him as like he called him son when he talked to him, like left messages for him and stuff like that. He said he saw some of their intense arguments firsthand. Uh, During one argument, Carrie saw Donna come after Phil with a knife. Phil had to grab and twist her arm until she dropped it. Donna. Come on. Phil was worth over $600 million, but Warriman said that Phil had stated that he would give Donna all of it and would start from nothing again just to make it stop. Like, he just wanted to get away from her. He wanted to be out from underneath her, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess when we get to the later parts of things, I do wonder if that's true because he didn't do that. Um, but on a happier note, Laura and their daughter was getting married. The entire celebration was going to be insane, and the family was planning for the two weddings, one in Sydney and one in Spain, because I don't know why. (laughs) And during the planning process, the family met at the Four Seasons Hotel in San Francisco for a brainstorming session. I feel like they were probably like, which private jet are we going to give every guest as a favor? Yeah. Yeah. You know? like Like, like for my wedding, when I met with somebody to talk about it, it's like my house or yours. Starbucks even would yeah. be a fancy place Bring to meet. Starbucks, but they go to the Four Seasons in a whole different country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Just to talk about things. Yeah. So th- this is the beginning of the end because they get to the Four Seasons. They check in. This is supposed to be like a super happy weekend. They're greeted by their maitre d' and hostess, Sunny Hing. She was 29 years old at the time. And she noted that Phil was larger than life. Phil was there for a week planning the wedding when they met. He asked her for her email so he could send her some of the shoes his company made. That's an interesting... You can't call it a pickup line, but you know what I mean? Like a segue to Mm -hmm. starting that kind of whatever. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, yeah, just what excuse can I find to talk to you more, I guess? Mm Mm-hmm. Donna was noted to be kind of scary toward the staff. She was hateful. I, I mean, I could totally see that. I could totally see her being like, there's one thing out of place over here and pitching an absolute fit about it. I mean, it, it's kind of amazing. I mean, of course, we didn't get a ton of background on Donna. I don't know what kind of person she had always been, but it's it's really crazy to me to think about how money can change you like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. She definitely was... Hmm. A diva. She was entitled. Oh, yeah. Big She's time. kind of like the Mariah Carey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She was you just know. hateful to everybody. And from from everybody else's, like, when they talk to everybody and anything I've ever read, like, everybody describes Phil as, like, super nice to everybody he came across. Like, he was always very accommodating. He was always very nice to any staff members he came into contact with, he was not one to be like, oh, I have a lot of money. And so, you know, you need to do, he doesn't, didn't bark orders at people or anything like that. Yeah. Donna always was made out to be the heavy. Well, she made herself out to be the heavy. True. So in November of 2012, Lauren had her two weddings. <laughs> During this time, Phil continued to email back and forth with Sonny and he was getting a little flirty. 
After the wedding extravaganza, Phil returned to the States, and he and Sonny became intimate for the first time. Sonny mentioned that she was really self-conscious after a breast implant surgery had caused an infection, and removal, she ended up having to have, I don't know if it was one or both of her implants removed, and she had some scarring, and she just didn't feel very confident. And a lot of times, like when there's an infection, you have to remove the implant and then leave it for like three to six months before you can put another one back in. Months? Yeah. I thought you were going to say weeks. Mm-mm. No, it ne- it a lot of times needs to be months in between. So wow. you may have, you know, one side that's fine because it didn't get infected and the other side's flat. So like, you know, she was self-confident. Conscious about whatever her situation was. Mm -hmm. But she said that Phil didn't care and it made her feel loved. And, you know, like he wasn't like he loved her for who she was, not just the way she looked or whatever. Yeah. But Phil ended up paying for Sunny to have all of it fixed. And can you imagine having so much money that that's a drop in the bucket for you? I know. I know. I mean, I'm over here like, do you add the guac? Do you not add the guac? Yeah. And most likely, like, yeah. I really shouldn't. I don't need it. <laughs> um, Sonny and Phil were in love, and it was apparent to the people who knew about their relationship. So, like, Sonny's mom knew about it. Um, Phil did a lot for Sonny's mom. He took care of her. Um, his driver, Warman, knew about it. Like, there were a lot of people that knew about the relationship. It was basically, like, everybody knew just not to let Donna find out for a while. But everybody was, like, they'd never seen him that happy before and you can see it comes across in the photos for sure mm-hmm. and warman mentioned that phil could have any woman that he wanted but he said while sunny was definitely pretty she wasn't like this giselle i don't know how you say her last name bunchen bunchen um she wasn't like the supermodel but phil wanted her over all the other women so he knew there had to be something special about her not long after the affair began, about six months. I'm going to go back to the whole Warryman. Yeah. Like, um, that's, a, that's the kind of remark that you can make about yourself, but it would hurt if someone made it about you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think if one of my husband's friends was like, you know, she's not gorgeous, but he loves her. So there's got to <laughs> be, maybe she's a good cook. <laughs> she's funny. She's got to be funny. It's like. I was watching the Trixie and Katya show the other day because I can't stop because it's hilarious. And they got some mail for or it seemed like an email or tweet or something. And the person was like, this is for Trixie and Katya. Um, you guys are hilarious and super fun to watch. And I just want you to remember that looks aren't everything. Oh, <laughs> and they're reading it. And they're like, yeah, no, we told what? Like, <laughs> It was so funny. Ouch. So Donna finds out this is not good. This is not good. Donna started a smear campaign against Sunny. She called the manager of the Four Seasons and told him that, and this is her words, that Sunny was a hooker and was using her position at the hotel to solicit married men. So because Donna and Phil are like excellent clients and they're like VIPs and they fly in on their private jet and all this stuff. Well, and you know Donna was like, do you know who we are? Yeah, exactly. Do you know how much money I spend with you and probably whatever? Mm-hmm. She, oh, she's so, let me speak to the manager. Oh, like, yes. oh, gosh. So I'm sure that there was literally no invest. Well, I don't know. Even if they did an investigation, they would find that she was having an affair with him. So it doesn't look good. 
But um, she got fired immediately, so she loses her job. And then Donna starts leaving some absolutely heinous voicemails. They are so racist. They are so hateful. Oh, hi, Sonny. It's Donna. Stop trying to milk my husband for money because I hear that's what you do. And that's why you've been sacked from the Four Seasons because you're a slut. Um, what were you again? A maitre d'. You're a busted slut, you fucking house-wrecking, dirty little fucking bitch. I know we've texted you yesterday and you've got all this, like, romantic, you know, nonsense going on. Stay away from married men, you slut. So back off. Yeah, you can get fucked, you little fucking Chinese fucking just the sound of Donna's voice. Oh gosh, she sounds evil. Evil. It tore, I honestly just got chills. Like she, it's so, it's some of the most hateful stuff I've ever heard. It's like literally the definition of like spewing poison. Yeah. But in the way she talks, so like in one of them, she's like, oh, hi, Sonny, it's Donna. I, I was just letting you know, don't go anywhere near Phil because, you know, we wouldn't want you getting caught up in all the drama and the rest of it. But Anyways, just give me a call back. That would be great. I'd love to talk to you. She's so, like, condescending and, like... Well, and in some messages, she claims to be somebody completely different. And mm -hmm. it's so obvious who it is, especially if, you've, if you're Sunny and you've gotten 19 voicemails from her before this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then she's like, hey, it's Mary. Like, no. Yeah, who... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your voice is the exact same every single time. Yeah, she didn't try to, like, disguise it or anything. No. And one time she said, put your legs together, close your bank account, and get a job. Um, one time she says, my husband hates Asians. It's like, whoa. And, like, look, I get that you're probably pretty pissed off that your husband is having an affair. Like, I don't... I understand that. Well, and there's the added... I'm not saying that any of it is right or wrong. Um, you know, marriage is tough. Like I, you know, and I can't imagine what it was like to be married in this marriage, particularly. But Sonny did know. It's not like because sometimes you know, be mad at the husband. He 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 was not forthcoming, and maybe right. he, who knows what he was telling Sonny. But Sonny met them together as a married couple. Yeah, she met them together as a married couple. Like so, that's got a sting, yeah. and I can understand why some of that would be directed at Sonny. But also, Donna is yeah. off the rails. Yeah, and at the same time, it's like okay, if he, if this person that you're married to and have children with is doing this to you, and he clearly doesn't care about it, and he's not stopping, maybe it's time to file for divorce. Yeah, like if it's, it's not working, it's or I guess you have the option if the money is that important to you to say this is now a business transaction i don't know i, I mean, mean again like yeah we're not in that well, situation it's just right the messages are horrible they are the worst but i feel like yeah with kind of to what you were saying it's like my best friend's wedding like phil's chasing sunny you are now chasing phil and sunny who's chasing you yeah who's chasing donna yeah nobody it became Warman's job to protect Sonny from Donna. Phil asked Sonny not to answer the phone when Donna called, but to keep the messages. And Sonny said she wanted to keep them for her own protection. Sometimes, like you said, when Donna would call, she would pretend to be other people, but not convincingly. Phil bought Sonny all kinds of nice things, including some Cartier jewelry. Which, I don't know how much that costs, but I know that Fergie talked about it in one of her songs, and I... 
can't imagine how super expensive. How yeah. expensive that would There's, be. Yeah. She still wears the stuff that he got her, but Donna had accused Sonny of stealing it. You know, she was saying, oh, she came into my house and stole all the stuff or whatever. Donna hired a private investigator to follow Sonny. And the PI took surveillance photos of Sonny doing everything, followed her everywhere she went. I mean, it's there's... It's scary that yeah. somebody can just hire somebody to follow you and that's legal and that's fine. Yeah. In 2013, Phil bought a house for himself and Sonny. He met her mom and pretty much instantly brought her on to his team and he told Sonny that he was going to divorce Donna. What Phil didn't know was that Donna was hacking into his emails, which I honestly am surprised it took her this long because she could probably like hire an entire coding and development team to like make software to where she like gets all of his communications at all times. She could have hired the inventor of the internet, Abraham Lincoln, to... I'm sorry, you mean Al Gore? (laughs) Exactly, of course. Once she found an email from Sunny to Phil that was very heartfelt and loving, and so she used it in her next voicemail. She's quoting it back. She's, of course, making like a mockery of it. Um, She read it word for word in Sunny's voicemail. And the sound of her voice, like... She's just like, mm, hi, Sunny. Mm. You know, just so yeah. like, it's just shitty. It is. Sunny was like, look, I know that what I was doing was wrong. And, you know, he was married and all this kind of stuff. But she said that, like, even though she felt like it was wrong, at the same time, she loved him and she knew that he loved her. And it was very hard for her to cut off the relationship because. And I I do believe she genuinely loved him. On November 2nd, 2013, in Boca Raton, Florida, Donna and Phil got into a fight. Donna ended up throwing a glass of water in Phil's face, and Phil kind of lost it. During their relationship, Donna frequently screamed in Phil's face, and he tried not to hurt her when she did it. Because their fights were often public, he was seen grabbing her to hold her against a wall or holding her wrist so that she couldn't hit him or be physical. Once, before this night and before his murder, Donna did stab Phil with a butter knife in the thigh during a fight. He told some people about it and even, and some even saw the scar it left. Well, isn't it hard to stab somebody with a butter knife? I would think I mean, that, that would be... I mean, you have to use a lot of force, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one step sharper than a spoon. Right. And you would have to, yeah, apply some serious force. I would think. I would think that it would hurt much worse because of that. Because yeah. you, to make it to to leave a scar with a butter knife, you know what I mean? Like right, like it went in. It wasn't like I tried to stab you and yeah, nothing. Ha- yeah, it wasn't a scrape. Right. His friends are like, dude, you got to press charges. Like this is bad. You've got to press charges. But I wonder if Donna planned this, like the the fights to be in public, because. Then you have witnesses for him putting his hands on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I honestly, I would not put that past her at all. Yeah, because then, like, it doesn't matter anything that she's saying to him. And again, it's not right for somebody to put their hands on you in a forceful way. Donna is such an aggressive person. She has, she has been on the other side of domestic violence. She, she's very physical with Phil. And she doesn't do any of that stuff around other people. She'll yell at him and she antagonizes him and she provokes him and she gets in his face and stuff like that. She throws drinks in his face. 
But yeah, she does that in public. So that then when he tries to restrain her, she's like, look, he put his hands on me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so his friends were like, you have to press charges when she stabbed him with a butter knife. And he's like, that's not who I am. I'm not going to do that. Like, it'll be okay. But on that night in November of 2013, the police were called and Phil was arrested for domestic battery because Donna pressed charges. So she throws a drink in his face. He puts his hands on her and then she calls the cops on him. So, you know, there you go. That did not look good for Phil's business. He desperately needed Donna to drop the charges against him. So at this point, so I actually, I retract my earlier statement about if he really would have left Donna. Well, no, I don't know, because because I'd kind of forgotten about this part where he needed to have the charges dropped because his business is not going to go well because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, what do I need to do to get you to drop these charges? And so she's like, well... Sonny has to move out of the house, and you can't see her anymore. And Phil had to go to rehab. And she was hoping so badly, I know, to to be put in this position where she's in control. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She's in total control. So in January of 2014, Sonny drove Phil to Passages in Malibu, California. It's a super fancy rehab facility that costs $200,000 for a two-month stay. When Sonny left Phil at Passages, it was supposed to be the end of their relationship forever. All right, so next week we will jump back in to Phil getting some help for his addictions, and uh, then we're going to go into the investigation and trial, and we will catch you next week. Of course, if you want to get part two immediately, hit up our Patreon, and you'll get it right this very second. (laughs) And before we go, we just wanted to give some shout-outs to some new patrons and uh we appreciate you guys so very much thank you to heidi marie nene stacy y caitlin Poole, Brittany putman brandy tara may morgan obis obis rosalind sickoff steve porter elise marcel gianna lancelotti that's a super cool name. I know. Sarah Hodges. Brianna Garrett. Jessica Fair Spencer. Kelly Buffone. Jess. Lauren McCluskey. Brianna Ditch. Sydney Simpson. Megan Olson. Ashley Gordon. Jessica Mendel. And Brooke Ziegler. Thank you so much. Hey, hey girl, thanks. Love you. Love you. Hey, y'all, we want to tell you about a podcast that we are loving right now. So take just a second, listen to this promo, and we are positive you're going to love it. Diabolical. Vengeance. Betrayal. Bad hair. Leaning. Hi, everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And we have a weekly podcast called A Date with Dateline, a recap of Dateline episodes. We talk about important issues like grainy surveillance footage, cell phone towers, Andrea Canning's white jeans, and Mankey's hankies. We delve into the details of any victim who's ever loved life or lit up a room. So find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and iTunes to make A Date with Dateline. And remember, don't watch alone. A Date with Dateline is a podcast hosted by two professional amateur true crime TV experts with no formal training but evidence lockers filled with snark and uninformed opinions. 
We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening, and we will meet you back here next week. Bye! The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show.